Okay, we got a good one today, which I think I've let off with before, but we do. User submitted content. Not once, never. (laughs) User submitted content. This is from a gentleman whose real name he disclosed is Thomas E. He said that in one of the comments in the YouTube video, he's got a different YouTube handle. And he left a question that was kind of multi-pronged. It was great. And we're going to try to dissect it here. And I'm going to use some shorthand because it was a longer comment that he left. First one encapsulated was basically wants to know why do CrossFit workouts prescribe loadings instead of just percentages the overwhelming majority of the time? And you had some opinions on this. Yeah, absolutely. So this kind of touches on a few things. We had brought up scaling on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. So you guys should go check that out if you haven't already. There's lots of great info in there. And this topic kind of resonates in that realm as well. People always want to kind of affix percentages to things because they think that there might be some more degree of precision than just uh, right. using a broad brush weight recommendation. And in some instances, that might be true. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that when you're dealing with percentages, different athletes are going to respond to percentages differently. And that can be based on physiological factors, uh, you know, just the way that they are built, um, their muscle fiber distribution, the way that their nervous system responds to a certain load. There's a lot of factors that play into that. And so all of that to say that if I give a group of 10 athletes instructions to do a max set at, say, 95% of a one rep max, I'm going to get a wildly different rep range back between those athletes. There are some athletes that are really well-trained. They're really close to the, the raw potential that they possess in a given movement. Like they're right at the limit there mm-hmm. that they're probably only going to get a single rep at that 95% because it really truly represents that level. There's other people that might have less experience, uh, a different body type, et cetera, where they could get seven or eight reps at that 95%. And then you know, you add a little bit of weight and they can only get one. So the response is, is vastly different. So if you take that and play that out through 10 athletes, 100 athletes, 1,000 athletes, 10,000 athletes, you come to recognize that really what you're doing with a percentage at that point is creating a shorthand. And that shorthand is, I want it to be close to being really, really heavy. I want it to be almost as heavy as you can go. Mm-hmm. The 95% gets you in that ballpark, but it is going to be a fundamentally different response for some of those athletes, for a lot of those athletes. And so if you think about a workout like Grace, we basically have the same thing just with a different shorthand. The shorthand is, okay, this is uh, written at 135 pounds for the gentleman, 95 pounds for the ladies. And what that represents is a weight that you shouldn't have to stop more than a couple of times across that 30 reps. That's it. That's all it means. Mm -hmm. So fixing a percentage to it, it seems like you might be able to get there a little bit easier, but knowing that different athletes are going to respond to that percentage differently, it doesn't necessarily simplify things or land you in a more precise place. So anyway, all that to say, workouts have a a weight often, um, but that weight is pretty arbitrary. It's, it's a most, most, most scenario. And I've said that before. I, you know, I really like that, um, uh, that phrase. But it's just a situation that tries to capture a theoretical athlete and a theoretical uh, outcome for the workout 
and tries to match those two things together. If, That's if it. somebody didn't hear you use that before, what does most, most, most mean? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, for most athletes, most of the time in most situations, this is what we're looking for. And, that's and I can I can see where he's coming from, right? Because now what's yeah. what's very obvious to us after being steeped in CrossFit for so long, potentially for someone new, they might not have any clue that grace is supposed to be a short and sharp workout. And, yeah. and and depending on where they're coming from, it might take them the better part of a day. You know, they don't and they don't understand yeah. this could be manipulated, modulated, um, you know, uh, scaled to meet your abilities, and then even then they might not know how to do that because it's their first exposure. So. There's without question CrossFit to the outside looking in. If you don't have a guide with you or a little bit of somebody to help you with the lingo, the knowledge, the stimulus, I, I can see how at first somebody would be like, well, what the heck is supposed to be happening here? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it can, there can be a bit of a fog there, but hopefully through these conversations and podcasts that we do and having a good coach and as your knowledge base grows, you can just look at these workouts of the day and they kind of make perfect sense as to what they're supposed to be, what they're intended to be, where they fit into the overall scheme of the programming, the beautiful symphony. And if you need to make a little tweak, you'll kind of know how you should do that and, and you'll be humming right along. So yeah, good, absolutely. Good question, sure. So uh, we had a let me, oh, let me just say ahead. one more thing on that too. So when you're designing a workout, whether you are conscious of it or not, and again, I've alluded to this in the past, you know, you kind of project out this athlete that you have in your mind and then you program to that athlete. That's, that's what we do, whether we're conscious of it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, anytime you're building a workout, there's going to be certain norms for, for certain movements. But you do have to stop and think, is this actually going to achieve the outcome that I'm looking for? And that outcome doesn't have to hinge on a specific load that's put forward when the workout gets put on paper. That's you know, entirely adjustable. There's no magic behind a rep scheme and there's no magic behind a loading. And people forget that sometimes. So whether that is expressed via a percentage or just a broad brush recommendation, the fact remains that there's no magic behind either thing. Keep showing up. Consistency wins in the long run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's a, well, it's a, I mean, a, a, another theme that, that's come up in the past is that if there was a surefire way that was just prescriptive and guaranteed, there'd be no point in anybody coming up with anything further. Mm -hmm. And we'd all just jump on the same program and it would work every time and innovation would be useless or, or at least pointless. Right. Um, but that's certainly not the case and you don't see that. So for that reason, you can't put more stock in these things than they're due. So the, the other part of his question and I can encapsulate it in one thing, and there was another sentence that I pulled out that we could chat first. The other part of his question or statement, I should say, which is an interesting topic that's come up before and it's worthy of conversation, is he says, bang, regular heavy days are more important than Metcons, period, end quote. Great. I mean, love when people take a stance. It makes it interesting, good, great for us to do something. But he then has another a uh, sentence or two in there, which I think we can dissect first because there's some parts in there that we agree uh, with him very much. And his other statement says, not going heavy often enough was a huge mistake in my early years. If one trains four to five times a week, you can easily skip a conditioning piece. But weeks without a heavy day, be it unintentional, or even just having an overhead squat as the only heavy day, which is simply not demanding enough, throws you back along way. And I read that to you 
before we clicked on the cameras and your your initial impression is like, yeah, I'm I'm with him on that. Yeah. I yeah, I think broadly I am. And so if we kind of think about that on a spectrum, on the one hand, we have just not engaging in strength training at all. I mean, that should be obvious. That yeah, that's right. absolutely a mistake. It's a recipe um, for disaster. For sure. And and it's one of the most well, I I fall, fell into the trap almost right there. <laughs> I was almost about to say it's one of the most important, but it's, it, it is a building block of fitness as are many other attributes. And so if you skip it, then yeah, you are knowingly omitting a really important part of being fit. So for that reason, yeah, absolutely. He's right. If you're just not engaging in it, that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. On the other end of that spectrum is that you're engaging in it regularly. You've got a well thought out program and everything's being pushed out as it should be. That's, that's the ideal. Somewhere in the middle, you have this scenario where maybe you are, quote, lifting heavy, but the movements that you're selecting week after week after week don't allow for enough total loading. And so that could be something like, okay, week one, you're going to do some overhead squatting, like he mentioned. Mm -hmm. Week two, maybe it's a muscle snatch as your heavy lift. Week three, it's a, you know, you you play around with the Turkish getup, trying to do something heavy on the Turkish getup, et cetera, et cetera. And sure, you're going to find challenge within each one of those movements, but the total loading that your body experiences is relatively low and not so much that it's likely to drive your true strength threshold forward. Mm-hmm. So in that, in that sense, I agree with him again, that you have to pick wisely with what movements you're engaged with on a regular basis to make sure that the body gets enough lift, gets enough heavy exposure. Right. And so you that's could where pick- I agree with him. And and you could pick, like you said, those lifts that are tough to achieve, the sort of loading you would on a a double for the back squat or a heavy right. single on the dead where you're just not exactly. taxing the system the same way with, you know, a muscle clean or some of the other movements that you mentioned. So sure, totally with you on that. And you can always uh, write something or paint a picture that is quite a negative doomsday scenario. Like I'm in, I'm in full <laughs> agreement. I'm in, you know, it says going weeks without a heavy day. Absolutely. I, I I don't that's that's awful. Avoid that at all costs. Like for mm-hmm. sure. I think what's great is that m- most of us don't have to make this uh, very binary decision of terrible inefficient heavy days or going weeks without them. Like that we can actually a- embrace some programming that works them in on a regular basis and and things are wonderful and that's that's yeah. what we would want to have happen. I getting to his other statement there, which is, well, you know what? There was something else I wanted to have in there. The first says, not going heavy often enough was a huge mistake in my early years. If one trains four to five times a week, you can easily skip a conditioning piece, okay? But weeks without a heavy day. So I think it's important to define our terms because he says you can easily skip a, <laughs> a, a conditioning piece. Okay. Okay. And then the other big statement he said that we kind of want to dissect was that Regular heavy days are more important than Metcons. So he said conditioning pieces can be skipped. Heavy days are more important than Metcons. Uh, you know, he's not here to, to uh, have his side. But what this statement paints me, because I've heard it a bunch, is I think there can be this, this conception where on heavy days, those are the days that you get strong, period, mm. end of story. And on the other days, you get in a good sweat in their breathers, and there's no hybrid in the middle. And so if it's regular heavy days and more important than Metcons, I, I would just like to say, 
if he's defining mechanzo as just long, slow, oxidative pathway, aerobic training, muscle wasting, low power, I'm with you. Like that's that's not a recipe to be an explosive, fit, well-rounded athlete. Again, luckily, most of us live in a world that we don't have to make this either or choice. And in sure. my world, when I think of a metcon, I think of not just metabolic conditioning training, meaning what most people think of as cardio, but I'm going to put in mixed modality training in there, which is the bulk of what CrossFit does. You know, it's a couplet, it's a triplet, there's four elements, it's three rounds for time, it's weightlifting, gymnastics, and monostructural. And in those days, I think, and I'm not putting words into Thomas's mouth here, but I've, I've seen this happen enough to feel relatively confident in this. I don't think people give enough credit to the strength and capacity yeah. that can be developed on those days. Top end strength, sure. Uh, you know, on, on the heavy days, that's really swayed to their favor. But I think the belief that you can't get strong and won't get strong, a very useful type of strong on these mixed modality Metcon days, I think that is a something just to be really cautious of because I believe it's patently false. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think you're right about um, being careful regarding falling into these binary traps, right? In the real world, you don't have to do that. You don't, you, you have a range and you should engage in that range. So saying that one is more important than the other can be a tough stance, especially if we're not looking exactly at what is meant by that. So for example, if you're training four to five days a week, as, as he stated, and one of those days is a strength training day and the other four are quote Metcon days, well then, yeah, okay, it makes sense that if you eliminate that strength training day on a regular basis, that's going to suffer and you're going to end up in that scenario that was described originally where you're just not training strength at all. So mm -hmm. in that case, yes, it would be more important that you don't skip that training day that week. That makes sense. But if you're thinking about that a little bit more blended where you've, you're training five days a week, maybe you've got two lifting days, uh, Metcon that's a little bit on the heavier, more challenging side, yep. a real short and punchy um, like aggressive effort and then a longer effort across those five days, well, now the mix gets a little bit more interesting and it's harder to say if I had to skip one, which would be the, the least or most impactful, now it's going to be a bit of a crapshoot as opposed to something that's as cut and dry. So it, I think that that has to be considered as well. It's like, all right, what are we looking at truly when we get under the hood and we start thinking about these four or five days? How can we make that statement about what's more or less important if we're not really sure what those four or five days consist of? Yes. Or what to that matter, what, what the ability level of the athlete is. Right. Because you know, there's certain people that are going to come in with certain attributes that are either more or less developed than kind of the average. And that's going to point you to some different training that might be appropriate for that person. And and so many mixed modality days that have a weightlifting, a monostructural, a gymnastic component in there, when the athlete gets to the part that's that's the barbell, well, they don't blitz through it overwhelmingly in some unbroken fashion. They're doing a set of five, six, or seven, and the barbell's on the ground because it under fatigue, especially, it becomes so heavy and so taxing sure. that the system needs to rest. And so you kind of have these built-in sets of five, six, and seven or whatnot, like under duress that has a tremendous amount of potential, you know, for the body to ad adapt and become stronger from that, that doesn't just look like a classic seven by one. I know when I first got into CrossFit, even though I was coming from years of old school bodybuilding, so to speak, I went down to the local 
rec center to do this workout that seemed to be so challenging on this CrossFit website I found called Fran. And I went down <laughs> with my good buddy, Joe Alexander. And we went down there and load up this barbell to 95 pounds. And, and, and I'll tell you what, that 95-pound barbell, it demolished us. I mean, our, our thrusters were in sets of like, I think, you know, six maybe or what, I just moving the bar. Like we were head to toe sore. Like you would have felt that I did a heavy day because where we were in our training, you better believe that maybe that didn't look like a classic heavy day, but it was heavy to us. And, and we walked yeah. away, we walked Absolutely. away from that situation stronger. And I think a lot of that occurs in a lot more workouts, a lot more regularly to the broad masses than I think these, you know, quote unquote metcons, those mixed modality workouts are given credit for, quite frankly. I completely agree with that for sure. And, you know, I one of the things I wanted to bat around was this idea of as you get further along in the game of life, you know, you're 50, 60, 70 plus, I think there is some good credibility to the argument that, you know, you need to do what you can to preserve muscle mass. And that's yes, a sir. really yep. important component of, of maintaining health. And along with that is bone density. You know, muscle mass and bone density are one of those things that are going, doing nothing will guarantee that those things are going to decline as you get later in life. For sure. Good news is you can do something about it. The question then becomes what is going to be most influential on that. And strength training is obviously going to have a huge component of that. But to your point, if you're doing a workout, you're 65 years old and you're able to do Diane with 225 pound deadlifts, I mean, you're going to be staving off that decline pretty significantly. <laughs> right. So there's right. plenty of ways to skin that cat that don't look necessarily like a three by five with three minutes of rest in between each effort. Yeah, it just just the touching external loading is mm -hmm. of tremendous benefit, you know, regardless of your age, but certainly as you get older. And that that's going to serve you well as you get older. And it doesn't have to look like a yeah, five by five back squat, although ideally you'll be doing those as well. But even on the other days, on the mixed modality days, you're touching a moderate loading. It's mixed yep. modality. You're huffing and puffing. You're gonna you're gonna be helping the bone density. You're gonna be helping your muscle mass. You're gonna help in your cardiorespiratory endurance, the whole nine yards. It's gonna be a good place to be. I don't want to. I mean, well, you know what? I've been making assumptions about this question the whole time, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to make assumptions, right? <laughs> now, this is not done blindly. Uh, <laughs> this is this is done off of the fact that I've heard similar questions for or statements a lot over the course of the last 16 years. So I'm, I'm making some educated guesses, if you will. Yeah, well, and, and let, let me stop you right there and just say that, you know, shout out to Thomas. Thank you for oh, the question. Yeah. And I think broadly, we agree with you for the most part. There's just a few details and some considerations that you have to be aware of oh, when sure. you start digging in and looking at these different scenarios. But broadly speaking, I think he's barking up the right tree. So, I mean, anyway. He heavy days, I mean... Thomas, I'm right there with you, sir. Yeah. Heavy days are absolutely mission critical to your success, your development, your fitness journey. And avoiding them or not getting in enough will be doing yourself a tremendous disservice. So right there with you. Uh, where I was all fired up for a second. Now I <laughs> forgot what it was. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, you're good. I cut you off. I, I think in in that singular statement that maybe I'm misreading, I'm misreading, but I feel relatively confident that I'm not. 
that says regular heavy days are more important than Metcons. I get a bit of a sense from here, having heard similar things in the past, that that might that might be said with the thought or the theory that if we oversimplify things into the three elements that we could work on, one being weightlifting, one being gymnastics movements, and one being our, our conditioning. You know, we've used Metcons earlier, so our conditioning, metabolic conditioning. That of those three elements, saying that regular heavy days are more important than Metcons gives more weight no pun intended, to the weightlifting side of the house. And the thought being that if I put extra focus and extra attention there and make that my overwhelming and dominant priority and significantly improve that, it will pull the other two up because that's, right. the, that's the engine, that's the locomotive that's pulling the other 100 cars behind it. That is where um, having everything that I said before about fully understanding how important heavy days are, embracing them myself, pouring my heart and soul into it, I think that is not the way well-rounded fitness and GPP work. So I would just be very cautious if that is the, the thought process leading to the statement, regular heavy days are more important than Metcons. Yeah. And you brought this up earlier, which I thought was really interesting, um, a really cool thing to look at is that if you were to take a high-level CrossFitter and you stack them up against various world records in different pure domains, so let's say the world record snatch, the world record one-mile run effort, mm -hmm. and then a world record parallel bar routine, and you were to judge them based on how well they finished comparative to that world record, without a doubt, they would be closer to the world record on the snatch than they would be to the one mile run than they oh, would be sure. to the yep. skill and, you know, coordination and all that required for the gymnastics. And, and so the argument kind of falls apart when you look at it that way. You say, well, wait a minute. These guys are actually objectively closer on that end of the spectrum than they are in these other domains. How can that be something that necessitates more focus on it? So I, when you mapped that out to me earlier, that really turn the corner on on that for me i think that's a really important thing to look at yeah i it, i find it again yeah i think if you just equally tested crossfitters i think the statement lends itself to well if we tested crossfitters weightlifting gymnastics and monostructural then yep okay we'll be like, wow gymnastics is amazing engine is amazing that strength is a big deficiency that needs work i don't think that's what the test would show i think the test would show most of us need relatively equal improvement in all areas or like you're saying I think people are doing better with the barbell than they give themselves credit yep. for. And, and <laughs> the, the engine piece or the metabolic con conditioning piece, if that was tested as well, you would want to have a little variance in that because a lot of CrossFitters potentially could lean towards more uh, explosive power outputs. They might have decent numbers on something like a 200 or a 400, right? And maybe even an 800, or they could be closer to what would be considered really good metrics. If you tested their 5K and their, oh heavens, their 10K run, all of a sudden I think you'd be like, oh, you do have a lot of work to do on your engine. Yep. You do have a quote unquote sure. engine in a slice of the pie, but you have some tremendous gaping holes somewhere else. And, and that's, again, that's not a character flaw. I think all of us are kind of like that. And that's why luckily, getting back to what we said earlier, I'm very happy that we, most of us don't live in this world that we have to choose. I don't have to choose to prioritize 
my lifting over my gymnastics and my conditioning, uh, I can I can raise them all. You know, I can be greedy and want to improve all of them at the same time through a program that does that and not have to teeter-totter back and forth. I would also say, uh, you know, life does get hectic for sure. And I've, de- <laughs> I've dealt with this with my, my affiliate, my community regularly. And, you know, I've got, I've got a, a member now who is a driver for FedEx. And so we're around the holidays. Okay. I can't even imagine being yeah. a driver for FedEx on a normal day. Like the, the schedule that this gentleman says sounds like, I don't know how he even has time to eat lunch. Uh, now during the holidays, it's insane. So work's so insane. Mm. He's had to say like, look, there's no way I'm going to be able to work out five days a week. Cannot do it. I can only on a, I'm only going to get in three days, period. And he posted the question, like, could you help me prioritize if I have to intentionally omit some workouts? Mm-hmm. How should I do that? I'll tell him what I said. And I'd be curious to hear what your advice was. So I said, this is what I said. I'm like, okay, look, you know, look ahead. Look, you're in the BTWB app. Look ahead to the upcoming week. You know how your week's going to look. Look at the workouts that week. If you're going to choose just three, um, my simple advice is pick a heavy day. And then from the other two, make the mixed modality workouts. And of those two mixed modality workouts, on one of them, pick one that when you look at it, it makes you smile. And you want to do it. <laughs> it's enjoyable. You like the movements, the rep range, the whatever. You consider it a wheelhouse workout. And on the other one, pick one that kind of makes you not totally frown because you won't want to do it. But maybe <laughs> one or two of the elements makes you frown a little bit. Because that's an area that you maybe have as a deficiency and you need to, to have a little bit of work on. So I told them one heavy day, a mixed modality that makes you smile, and a mixed modality that has something you need to work on. And so, I mean, actually, I'm right there with you, Thomas. Hey, you need a reduction in training, mission critical, make one of those a heavy day. Yeah, yeah, make sure it doesn't go away. Yep, I like your advice. I think that's right on the money. I wouldn't change much. I, I think that uh, that's such an important factor to recognize when you're entering those stressful times that, yeah, you want to push the needle forward or at least try to stave off the the decline. Um, One of the most important factors to do that is enthusiasm to train on the days that you actually have the ability to do so. And so if every single one of those three days a week is viewed of the lens of, well, it's going to be a beat down because I know I have reduced training time, so I just have to put myself through the ringer, it doesn't take long before you're like, you know what? The holidays will be over in a little bit. I'll just pick it back up then. And you don't train at all. And that's a real problem. So, no, I think you're right on the money. Yeah. I, that's the first thing I would have done too is, hey, keep keep a heavy day in the mix. Yeah. I, I might have got a little bit more specific and just said, of the two remaining, try to pick one kind of less than 10-minute effort and then mm. one, you know, longer 15, 20-plus minute effort. Sure. Uh, try to keep those those ranges in there. But I really like your framing of something that you like something that you're less enthusiastic about. That's great. There's something else which just popped into my head. I don't mean to take you down another rabbit hole here, but... uh, Oh, those those are my favorite. Let's, again, always referencing back to Thomas, and we're with you, brother. You know, important, got to do a mission critical. But there's something else, too, that I think is, is in there as well that makes CrossFit so confusing potentially is a good way to say mm-hmm. it on uh, from the outside looking in especially if you're coming from something of a more linear progression lifestyle 
it does not look like that from the outset. And so the immediate assumption is, how the heck can this work? How can it drive the needle forward if I'm not touching these lifts and these movements with the regularity that historically I'm used to doing? Right, mm-hmm. because you, whatever you do all the time, you get good at. So if you're deadlifting twice a week, you would expect that to go up. And now I look at most CrossFit programming. Well, there might be, there might be four to nine weeks between deadlift heavy days. That that would cause smoke to come out of a lot of people's ears and think that <laughs> there's no possible way that my deadlift will improve or back squat or mm-hmm. fill in the blank. One of the most, in my opinion, genius, powerful, and I'm not even going to say I understand how it works. I think I may a little bit, but I think that'd be too presumptuous to say about CrossFit is that variance piece. And and that variance piece that comes through not just doing one thing like weightlifting, for example. It's the mixed modality. It's the combination of the gymnastics high, medium, low reps in all forms that you can think of mixed with some conditioning pieces, mixed with lifting that somehow, if you were just doing more of a closed off linear in isolation um, regime, there's something you're probably neglecting. And there's probably some weakness in the chain of your body that you you are unaware of. And in exposing yourself to so many things with good variance, varied programming, you're somehow shoring up some weakness that you didn't even know existed. And all of that magical, complex body system working together, even if you haven't touched some lift in what seems like a long period of time, when you come back to it, you're shockingly good at it. And and I think that is part of the genius, amazing part of CrossFit that from just the outside looking in uh, makes CrossFit an easy target for lack of a better way to say it from from some of these questions or statements because Mm. I get where they're coming from. I mean, how how can you deadlift once every seven weeks heavy and expect it to get better? But yet it does. You know, so that to me is just, I think there's there's a secret sauce in there. And and I hate to say that because it's vague and not scientific, but I struggle with how else to say it honestly. Yeah, fair enough. And, and, uh, you know, there's lots of rationale for how that happens. I think precisely how that happens, you're absolutely right. It's a bit of a bit of a mystery, but you know, the fact of the matter is we have a movement selection that is curated and it's curated to be big compound, powerful movements. Mm -hmm. And those are necessarily going to have a lot of overlap when it comes to muscularity involved, the positions that you see, things like that. And so for that reason, when you start looking at it that way, you're like, well, it does make sense that, yeah, I haven't deadlifted, but you know what? I've been squatting. I've been putting heavy weights Mm -hmm. overhead. I've been doing all these other things that have an overlap of pattern. So there is going to be some cross influence there. Um, So when you start thinking about it that way, you can can see it connect a little bit better. But I totally agree with you. It, It can seem pretty wild. Uh, for for quite a long time until you start to gain that insight. Yeah, and I, I just think that I think the variance is absolutely borderline magical. You know, and and not to go down <laughs> yeah. another rabbit hole, right? But but if you are if you are doing CrossFit or believe in the methodology, you, you know, there may be things that you have obviously contention with. Great, that's why we have these podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Greg Glassman came up with what he believed was the theoretical hierarchy of the development of an athlete, where you had, it was like a pyramid, if anyone's unfamiliar with it. You had nutrition on the base. Then the next step up was, okay, you got to get your, you got to get your macronutrients in order, right? Got to fuel the machine. The next step was metabolic conditioning. This fuel that we're putting into your body, well, make sure you're using it optimally, that your body's processing oxygen well, so that you can, all your systems can fire. Once that's happening, the next thing we layer on is, wasn't weightlifting, it was gymnastics. It's like, okay, you now are eating well, processing oxygen well, can you even just move and control your own body? If the answer is no, I don't want to put a bunch of external load on that. You can't even control your body as it is. Let's get you some good positions, some body strength and control. Then the next step was weightlifting. Let's, let's add some external yep. loading. Now, again, it's called the theoretical hierarchy of uh, the development of an athlete. So it's not called the factual hierarchy. You know, he in, in his statement <laughs> said it's, it's his, it is a theory. I think it's a wonderful theory. And I think there makes some sense there. And I think getting back to what we spoke about a second there, there can be this, this mindset of if I flip flop that and I add the weightlifting down a lot better, it's going to make everything else in the hierarchy just accelerate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, it is theoretical. So maybe the opposite is true, but it, it has been my experience that that theoretical hierarchy is a pretty darn good starting point, quite frankly, for a lot of athletes. My opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, it, this to me mirrors back to the idea of training a movement with no load until it's flawless. People say that, but the intent behind that type of approach is not literally until you are without fault, you cannot go beyond a, a PVC or an open barbell. Mm-hmm. The idea is that you get to an acceptable level of performance before you challenge it further. And right. it's the same thing with this idea of a theoretical hierarchy. Just because it's laid out in a structured way doesn't preclude you from mixing those elements from time to time. It's just saying, hey, there's going to be an important base to this. And if you neglect that, you're not going to be as well-rounded and pursuing fitness as wholly as maybe you should be. So that's, I think, the rub. A lot of people look at things like that. They look at different models. They look at you know, different ways to program or whatever. And they get trapped in that binary that you were talking about earlier, where, hey, if I don't do this, it means I automatically do the opposite. Mm-hmm. When in fact, there's a huge range between those things. You know, we just had somebody, um, we just had a heavy back squat day come up recently, but we hadn't had a heavy back squatted in, in quite some time. And I know this is anecdotal, so take it for what it's worth. But this is somebody who is profoundly strong, like really, really, mm. and they would admit that they're a little swayed to that side. And they just set a new one rep PR on their back squat at 495 pounds. It's a monstrous, a Impressive. monstrous yeah. back squat, right? And so by its very nature, he would tell you that his 5K is not spectacular. But <laughs> but his his comment was a bit kind of like what we've been talking about. There was this, I can't believe that my back squat was already, you know, quite high. And so you would think it's quite high. We're not back squatting every week. Mm -hmm. We're doing a bunch of these pesky mixed modality workouts and whatnot that that maybe since my back squat was so high, there's going to be some give and take and it's going to go down. Five weeks later, we back squat again and it went up. That's, and I'm not saying, you know, 
that happens every time, but that's the mystery, I think, and the goodness of, of variance and exposing your body to all these other things. And like you said, okay, maybe we didn't back squat in five weeks, but you can be darn sure that we worked your glutes, your hamstrings, your quads, your midline, your lats, and everything else that you're going to need when you slide back under that bar. What seems a bit mysterious has been getting stronger the entire time, but just yep. in a way that's kind of camouflaged to the outsider. So anyway, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Did, we, did we sufficiently... Uh, chat about this did you feel there's I a, a think stone so. and turn I feel pretty good I, I you know I Thomas thanks again that was a pretty cool thought that you had there and um I think it's like Pat said it's good to take a stand on some of these things and it's good to do that based on your own experience and that seems like what Thomas had done he looked back over his training and decided that this based on his experience was important and uh, yeah, those are valuable insights. And that's something that I think everybody, regardless of the outcome that you arrive at, should be doing. Because at the end of the day, you are the one that has to be not only satisfied with your fitness and what's happening, but you're the only one that's going to have the best knowledge as to what's important to you mm -hmm. and therefore how to guide that. So yeah, it's a valuable thing to do. Um, even if those insights don't always apply across the board, how could they? You know, it's a totally valuable thing to do to to take a look back and and draw some insights well thomas i tell you just to piggyback what boz says thank you thank you for the question i genuinely hope that we got it right that i know i made some um <laughs> uh, uh you know some leaps i hope i was kind of right with those leaps feel free if i was off base to call me on the comments and say, pat you totally missed the point whatever it is let me know because we I, I tried my absolute best to give an honest genuine answer to how I perceived your question just based upon um, what experience has taught me. So hopefully we're somewhat close there. And we're going to continue to do this. This, you know, again, proof positive. Boz and I, we we go to the yep. YouTube channel, the BTWB YouTube channel. We peruse the comments. You know, you now know what we think. Great. But we want to know, what do you think? So this is an interesting topic today. Leave your thoughts, comments, experience there as well. What's worked for you, what hasn't worked. And as always, we appreciate your support. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.